0: Let's go to the Lord in prayer this time, please. Our Father and God, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. And Father, we thank you for the blessing of life. We thank you for the privilege of being called your children, of knowing you. Lord, we pray for anyone here today, for anyone listening. Who will listen by internet or podcast? Anyone who doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, we pray today they'll come to know you. That they'll come to know your love, forgiveness, acceptance. That they'll find hope. Hope for a new tomorrow for a brighter, a brighter tomorrow, and a life filled with meaning and purpose, recognizing that you love them and have a wonderful, wonderful plan for their life, and that you desire only good for their lives. And Father, for those within our congregation and within our families and Circle of friends who may be ill, or struggling. We do pray for healing. For those who will who have upcoming surgeries, we pray for the surgeries to go well perfectly, that the physicians will do a perfect job. And we thank you, Father, for the wisdom that you've given to the physicians and all those within the scientific community how that you've blessed the human race with such wonderful gifts and gifts of healing. And Lord, we thank you for this house of worship and the opportunity to serve you through various ministries like the Operation Christmas Child Shoebox Ministries as well as other ministries. And Lord, we thank you for your holy word that teaches us that you have provided a means whereby to meet the challenges of a, of a growing church, a growing congregation. And we pray for wisdom and your guidance, Lord, as we select men to, to serve as deacons. We pray, Father, that you will lay their names upon our hearts. And now, O Lord, as we study your word, we pray that you be our teacher by your Holy Spirit, enabling us to understand. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you have thought of everything, and you provide everything that you need. We pray now, Lord, to speak to us through your Holy Word to the honor and to the glory of the Lord Jesus. In whose name we pray and give thanks. Amen. So I'd like you to turn in your Bibles. We're going to be a little tricky today because we're actually looking at uh, a few different uh, passages of Scripture, but the main one that we're going to focus on uh, toward the end, and it uh, looks like we have plenty of time, it'll be Mark, uh, chapter 2. But uh, let's begin by turning to, to Acts, chapter 6. And you'll recall, uh, last week we looked at uh, at the book of Acts and uh, this particular uh, chapter, chapter 6, and the, the challenge of the New Testament church was that as it began to grow, that there were some issues that uh, arose and it had to do with the distribution of because the, the Jewish widows were basically organized into two different groups. You had the Hellenists, those who, who basically uh, spoke Greek, and then you had the Hebrew uh, Jewish widows who spoke Hebrew. And the church had taken it upon itself to provide them a daily um, portion of food to meet, to meet their needs. And so one of the groups felt that they were being neglected, and uh, they brought that to the apostles. And the apostles said, Well, you know, we really don't have the time to deal with that situation. But we do recognize that it is serious. And so let's, uh, let's look right here at uh, chapter 6 in the book of Acts. And we'll read through them. Now in those days, beginning at verse 1, When the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists, because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Harmonus, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. Then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, And a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. And so we looked at this portion last week, but uh, here just just to um, uh, again remind you that it was a challenge that arose in the church. And so the apostles recognized that this was a need that needed to be met, and it needed to be met in a way that was equitable. Fair, and that met the needs of these women who needed help. And so they they chose these men. Now, turn over to 1 Timothy, as we look at the qualifications there. And we looked at these last week, but we'll look at these once again. 1 Timothy chapter 3, and beginning (laughs) at verse 8. Likewise, and we, we um, stated last week that the likewise was a reference back to the qualifications for the pastor of the church that are listed in, uh, in this same chapter, verses 1 through 7. But beginning at verse 8, Likewise, deacons must be reverent, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy for money, holding the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. But let these also first be tested, then let them serve as deacons, being found blameless. Likewise, their wives must be reverent, not slanderers, temperate, faithful in all things. Let deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their own house as well. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a good standing and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. Now you'll notice that the qualifications that uh, are identified there to be mature men, mature. Mature Christians, and dedicated and dependable. Uh, once, uh, long ago when I was uh, pastoring a, a different church, uh, we, were a, uh, we were a mission. So it was a small church that was just beginning. And so I had uh, spoken with uh, Brother Harry Watson, the, uh, the director of the association, And uh, and another gentleman by the name of Rudy Aguilar, who was a, a missionary here at the time. And so as we talked, I said, now, this is what I need, okay, in terms of someone to help. I need someone that is dependable, someone who's dedicated, someone who is mature. And what I mean by that is, I need someone that I don't have to call. Someone that I don't have to call to remind them that the service begins at this particular time and that they're supposed to be there early. I also need someone who is a faithful steward, that is, they're a tithing. They financially support the work of the kingdom of God. I need someone who is willing to share the gospel with people. I need someone. Who prays? I need someone who is going to be there and not find excuses for not showing up. Rudy said, Man, you want Jesus. <laughs> but you see, those are the kinds of men that we need as deacons. Mature dedicated and dependable someone who is a faithful steward and someone who is sound in their doctrine that means that they know the Bible and they're willing to share that knowledge of the Bible now I shared this in in the Sunday School and I don't want to spend a lot of time on this but some of the teaching that is being conducted over the television and over radio across our country and around the world is utterly blasphemous and just complete heresy. It goes by the by the name of the prosperity gospel. Now, I, I would agree. I would rather have money than to be poor. You follow? But the Bible also teaches... Better is a dinner of herbs with a poor man than to feast with the rich who might be wicked. You follow? And Jesus put it this way, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these other things will be added to you. Or in other words, God will provide for you, but seek first the kingdom of God. I heard some of these preachers, or so-called false, they're false preachers, they're false teachers. And God will hold them accountable. Saying things like, you are little gods. No, that is not true. That is false. Saying things like, you're equal with God. No, you're not. We are not. And what's so amazing is that millions of people fall under this, this, this teaching. This is a false teaching. <coughs> and some of these guys are billionaires. One of them was being uh, interviewed. and They said, well, uh, what do you suppose Jesus would drive if he were living today? A Rolls Royce. <laughs> Some of the things that that they're teaching, well, our deacons need to be sound in their doctrine. They need to be sound in preaching the word of God and teaching it. They need to be humble. Humble servants, our Lord Jesus Christ is the epitome of humility. Now we've asked you this before because a lot of people get this wrong. Why did Jesus wash the disciples' feet? Because they were dirty. That's right. Okay? Because their feet were dirty. But because because he was humble, because no job, no task was above him, and it was a need that needed to be filled, well, he took the basin and the towel, and he washed their feet because he was humble, and he is humble. And those who serve as deacons are to be humble servants. We looked at the word last week, diakonos, which means servant ministry. Jesus said of himself, I have not come to be served, but to serve. Not to be ministered unto, but to minister. We need deacons who are willing to minister and to do so in a spirit of humility and then at the same time they need to be courageous and bold there's a difference between being courageous and bold and being arrogant and harsh and we don't want someone who serves as a deacon to be harsh or to be cruel or to be arrogant but rather to be courageous, to be bold, to be humble, to be compassionate. And so we're going to move back here to Acts. And notice, and we don't have time to look at it, you'll notice the reference there, it's Acts 6, 8 through chapter 7, verse 60. There's a lot of verses to cover. But I want to encourage you to read through that particular portion of scripture uh, sometime today. But Stephen says was a man full of the Holy Spirit and of wisdom. Notice in uh, verse 5 says the saying pleased the whole multitude and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit and Philip and Prochorus and the rest of them. And then earlier in the passage. When they give instruction to the congregation, they say, Find men who are full of the Holy Spirit and of wisdom. Now, wisdom and knowledge are two separate things. Knowledge, we acquire knowledge all through our life. And and the deacon should be acquiring biblical knowledge. And hopefully especially given the age of our congregation, they've acquired <laughs> some, you know, some life skills along the way. Amen? And wisdom, wisdom is the ability to use knowledge in a way, that is, to apply knowledge in a way that honors God and is of benefit to the kingdom of God, to others, and to themselves. We need men full of the Holy Spirit. Men who are sensitive to the leading of God, the Holy Spirit, and wisdom. And then he knew the scriptures, and we're talking about Stephen. And you'll notice if you just take a quick look there, because most of the Bibles have, have you know various points where they're organized into, into various headings. He begins to preach, and as he's preaching, He begins all the way back into the Old Testament, goes all the way through and preaches the gospel. And he does it courageously. He spoke the truth in public. Deacons are supposed to be able to share the message of the gospel publicly. In one of the churches that I I pastored about... uh, 30 years ago or something we would have revivals because of course we had our own building so we could we could do that we would use the building every day and once in a year we would have a revival where each night a different deacon was the one who brought the message they were the ones who preached Because a deacon should be able to stand up at any moment in time and give the reason or the rationale for the hope that lies within them. Of course, the hope is our blessed hope, the Lord Jesus. Not stutter and stammer and all of this. A deacon is supposed to be able to stand up and speak and proclaim the truth of God's holy word. Now Stephen... You may know, or perhaps you don't know, was the first Christian martyr, because this sermon that he preached so enraged the people that they actually stoned him. And that last point there, he gave his life for the Lord Jesus. And so, look at the chapter seven here in the Book of Acts beginning at verse 54. When they heard these things, that is, when they heard this message that Stephen preached, beginning from the Old Testament all the way up into the time of Christ, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed at him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God. And Jesus, standing at the right hand of God, and said, Look, I see the heavens open, and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears, and ran at him with one accord. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. That young man, Saul, later became known as the Apostle Paul. He was right there when they stoned Stephen and they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying Lord Jesus receive my spirit then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice Lord do not charge them with this sin when he had said this he fell asleep that is he died he went in to the presence of the Lord see we need deacons who are going to be courageous and bold who are willing to tell the truth the truth revealed in God's holy word without apology we don't apologize for preaching and teaching the truth we don't apologize for holding up God's truth sadly in so many churches in so many denominations they're getting, giving in to this woke mentality. No. The Bible teaches that God created Adam and Eve. And He gave them the wonderful privilege and the, the beautiful gift of love to procreate. To create and to produce offspring. That does not occur between two people of the same sex. The Bible says that it is wrong, it is a sin, and as a church and as the people of God we are to uphold and proclaim and teach the truth of God. And this whole idea of abortion, call it what it is, it is murder. It is the murder of innocent, helpless human beings, little babies. If you're going to be a deacon, then you need to stand for the truth. Do not fall, do not fall prey to this social movement Because they want to shut us down. And the government, the government, supporting murder. And I could go on, but that's another subject for another time. But on to the Gospel of Mark. So if you'll turn to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. And beginning at verse 1. And again he, that is Jesus, entered Capernaum after some days. And it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Then they came to him bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they had covered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, "Why why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately, When Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, Why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Arise, take up your bed and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, Arise, take up your bed and go to your house, Immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went out in the presence of them all, so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. Now normally, in preaching from this passage, the emphasis, and rightly so, should be on the Lord Jesus Christ. And the, the Bible tells us here that Jesus preached the Word. You notice that? He preached the Word. He preached the Scripture. The Scripture. Not popular opinions. Not the latest fad. Not the latest position on this particular subject or that particular subject. No, he preached the Word. But now notice these four men who demonstrated servant ministry. The four men Heard that Jesus was in the house and Jesus was preaching the word. These men demonstrated compassion. They, they knew their friend who was ill could be healed by the Lord Jesus if they could just get him to Jesus. In their heart, they cared for him. They had compassion for him. They empathized with him, and they felt for him. They cared enough. And they were determined to get him to Jesus. And so together, they put him on a stretcher, and they take him to Jesus. So they were organized. And they were created, because when they came to the house, the place was packed. Everybody loves a packed house, especially if you're performing, huh? But here in this case, Jesus is preaching the word and the house is packed. So much so that there was no room to get in. But you see those homes in Israel at this particular time, they usually had a stairway on the outside of the house that led to the roof on the top and the roof you had these um, timbers and, and crossing each other, and then palm branches, and then for some soil, and then they would put tile, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And it was—they were usually quite thick, about a about a foot thick. Well, these guys said, "You know what? We're going to take him up. We're going to break open that that roof, and we're going to lower him down." Now, tradition says that this house that they were in was probably Peter's. So I don't know if Peter was very happy about them tearing up his roof. But they were creative and determined. They weren't going to let a huge crowd keep them from getting their friend to the Lord Jesus. You see, we need men who are filled with compassion, A compassion that is that is created by the presence of god the holy spirit who lives and dwells in their hearts often referred to as a burden for the lost or a burden for the sick a burden for their brothers and sisters in christ men filled with compassion men who who are determined to fulfill god's will in their life and then organized now imagine if uh, let's just say it was you know Tom and Joe and and Fred and Harry, if Harry said, well, well, let's go in this direction, but Tom said, no, let's go in this direction. Well, they'd have torn that poor guy in half. You see, we need men who are willing to be organized as well. One of the things that that science continues to discover is how fabulously the entire universe is organized. Everything works to a particular design. And there are some of them who will be honest and they say there has to be a design. And others won't go there for fear that they'll be ridiculed, or maybe lose their position at a university, or a scientific organization, or lose their funding. But others are honest enough to say yes, there must be a desire. And they were creative. They, like Stephen, were men of courageous faith. And how do we know that? Well, we just read verse five, when Jesus saw their faith, see that? When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic son, your sins are forgiven you. So what do we know here? Well, it appears that perhaps this particular condition might have come about as a result of something within this man's life. That's not always the case, but notice Jesus said, Son, thy sins are forgiven. Now, those who were sitting there said, they're thinking in their hearts and and in their minds, they're thinking, wait a minute, only God can forgive sin. Well, Jesus being God the Son, also knows the thoughts that pass through our minds. So he makes a statement to them, which of the two is more difficult? To say, your sins are forgiven, or for the person to be healed you see because at that in that period of time there was the belief that a person could not be healed unless their sins were in fact forgiven you see that so jesus says take up your bed and walk so when the man is healed what does he prove he proves that he is in fact God and that he has the authority to forgive that man of his sins, demonstrated by healing the man instantaneously. And so it says, immediately he arose, took up the bed and went out in the presence of them all so that they were all amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this. You know, sadly, sadly, oh, it's terrible. absolutely horrible. These guys that go around, they say they, they have a miracle services where, where all these miracles supposedly are taking place. Do you know that that they actually plant people in there? There was a gentleman who happens to be a preacher who is confined to a wheelchair. He went to one of those services because he wanted to be healed. But they have what are called screeners. See, and so when they they made the call for people to come forward to be healed, well, he went forward, and the screener said, oh, no, you can't go. Why? Because he was an actual case. You ever wonder why these guys don't go to St. Jude's Hospital for Children and go and heal all the little kids? or why they don't go down to the other hospitals and heal all those people of cancer? You ever wonder why they don't do that? Because notice, it wasn't his faith, it was the faith of the guys that brought him. Understand that? Now, am I saying that God doesn't heal people? Of course he heals people, and he heals them in many different ways. But this stuff that these people, they're charlatans. Don't fall for that. And a deacon needs to be a man of courageous faith, but should never give a person false hope either. Pray for healing. Yes, the Bible says that you're to bring your need before the elders of the church and, and to pray. And the prayer of faith, will heal them but remember that we will never be fully and completely healed until we leave this life and enter into the next for then we will be the perfect ten yes when you're ill pray and ask god to heal you and if he so chooses to heal you then he will but he just might say well you need to go down and see that doctor Because I've given to him or to her the wonderful wisdom and the ability to heal, utilizing elements that I've created and have given the wisdom to men to then transform into medicines that enable your body to be healed. This nonsense that, well, if you have faith, you won't go to a doctor. Luke was a doctor, he wrote the book of Acts. You see, In some of these movements, they want you to turn off your mind. God has given to you a mind. The Bible says to have the same mind in you that you, that Christ Jesus had in him. God intends for us to use our minds. We are to love him with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. Anyone tells you that uh, not to think about it? No, don't listen to that. We're to reason, yes. But we're to reason and to filter that reasoning through the Word of God. Because if our thinking is inconsistent with the Word of God, then that's faulty thinking. But when our thinking is consistent with the Word of God, ah, then that's a gift that God has given. That's wisdom, as the Bible refers to it, as the wisdom that comes down from the Father of lights. They were men of courageous faith. And so as we sum up, what do we learn from these passages? The calling of the deacon is a call of Holy Spirit-empowered servanthood ministry. The deacon must be empowered by God the Holy Spirit. He must not do the work in his own strength but in the strength of God, the Holy Spirit. Deacons are to be examples of mature faith, integrity, wisdom, and dedication. They're to be family men, faithful to their wives and to their children, faithful to the calling of God. Deacons are to be actively engaged in ministering to people. Yes, they're to put the needs of others before their own needs. And deacons are to be men who honor the Lord Jesus Christ. And so as you consider nominating someone for the office of deacon, please take all of this into consideration and of course pray and follow the Lord's leading. God will bring to your mind the person or persons and when when that person's face or their name comes to your mind pray and continue praying and God will give you a peace about it I believe that he will he will so we're going to sing a hymn of invitation Jesus is tenderly called now this this wasn't an evangelistic type of, of message but let me share this. If you're here today and you've never received Jesus as your Savior or you're struggling, know this. Jesus died upon that cross. He shed his blood to pay the penalty for your sin because he loves you. And he says, anyone who calls upon me will be saved. That is upon the Lord Jesus and that he will in no wise turn anyone away So as we sing this hymn, this is God's invitation to you to give your heart, your life to Him. Ask Him to come in to be your Savior, to forgive you of your sin, and acknowledge that He died upon the cross for you. That He died, that He was buried, that He rose on the third day. That He ascended back to heaven where He sits in glory, and one day He will return. Let's stand, please, as we sing. You come and give your heart to the Lord Jesus. We pray that you have been blessed by today's lessons from God's Word. And we invite you to contact us with any questions that you may have, especially questions regarding your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to help you with your walk of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and with your understanding of His Holy Word, the Bible. Our contact information is listed in the podcast show notes. May God richly bless you.